Let's roll up, it's a new high Good laughs, some good vibes It's a safe space to talk about All the dope things that's on our mind From word travel to philosophies We stay stylish, come and rock with me It's a good time, we got the sauce to make champagne Which is reality, uh We do it for the culture Gotta show them what we can be This is the high life Yeah, we all so fancy Keep it a G, cause We are family It's a hood debutante With London Bambi, uh Yo, guys, I still can't get over how much of a vibe my theme song is. It's like a vibe. I'm obsessed, real life obsessed. I've probably listened to this theme song 10,000 times on my own. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to the Hood Debutant Podcast with your host, London Bandy, which is me, obviously. And don't worry, there are more sound effects from where that came from. Now, before I jump in today's episode, I do want to say my bestie and I tried to shoot this episode twice. Unfortunately, we decided to have libations on set. We had some kinds of mingles, okay? We sparked up a bit before we sat down to record. And once we sat down, we just got really silly. And I'm not sure if it was really coherent or clear. And I want to make sure you guys have quality. I'm not going to lie. I was okay with it. I was still going to edit that episode and put it up because you guys seen me drunk before. Like, if you follow my Instagram, London Bambi, you've seen my 24-hour story. You know, I could be drunk, popping bottles at the club with my friends one day in Santorini, listening to opera another day, picking flowers another. I'm just random like that. So I don't care about people seeing all sides of me because I think it is important that you know who you are following. You know, like, I just don't want to put one certain image out and say, oh, he's so prim proper bitch no i'm not (laughs) prim and proper where where but i told the best friend i do get it and i also am a person that respects somebody that want to have the right to control their own image i'm not gonna lie when i was on the phone with him and he told me that first i threw my phone at the window like damn 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 but then I came back down and I was like, I get it. I'll scrap this episode and then we'll shoot another episode. So that's why the bestie isn't on this episode. He was, but I had to edit him out. Now that that's out the way, today's episode. So today's episode is titled The Debutante Ball and The After Party, meaning that there will be two parts to today's podcast. And I'm going to briefly explain each part of those before I dive into them so you guys can kind of get what I'm referencing. All right. So... For the debutante ball, and I think I touched on this a little last week, but I'll just give us a refresher. For those of you who don't know, a debutante ball, to put it shortly, is a mating dance. It's when a debutante comes out into society to make it known that they are available for marriage to a suitable partner, preferably someone whose money wouldn't run out for generations. Okay. Now, while on this circuit... Um, these uh, they meet other debutantes and they um they probably met them at finishing school or through family connections whatever it is they form this bond because this is a group of people that is having a unique experience that few people would get to have or few people will actually understand now i'm using the debutante ball to reference my past i'm using that to reference the young me when i was the young gay guy coming out on the scene with my friends so that's what i'm 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 
paralleling it to. So we're, I'm paralleling the debutante ball, the debutante ball to a time when me and my friends were of similar age and we formed a, our brotherhood of young black gay men whom hit the party circuit together, which in itself, guys, is a very unique and exclusive experience because that's not something everybody's going to really, really experience. So I'm referencing the past part of my dating, hitting the scenes. You know, when I was a spring chicken, that's that was the debutante ball. That was the debutante ball of my life now when we jump into the at the party we're referencing what happened after the era we're referencing sort of now we're referencing now so we're talking about what happened when me and my friends left chicago and we all moved to different cities to continue to pursue our love life laughter and our dreams so we should talk about what that scene looks like now for us now that we are a little bit older i'm just going to say a little bit older all right so there you have it. So now you guys have the structure of the podcast. We are going to start off when I when I was first introduced to the scene. And I'm going to say introduced to the scene by when the first time I was contacted by a man who wanted to, I guess, court me or date me. All right. This story starts off at I was 15. So at this time I was in high school and it was only about four, four of us who were gay. We were still hiding in that walk-in closet, child, or we thought we were hiding, but I was semi close to one of the three other three gay boys because we went to seventh grade together. That friend called my house one day and told me he started dating a guy in the city, right? He was excited because he was like, this guy is 25. He's in a gang. He had a car and he bought him both colors in Air Force Ones. And back then, Air Force Ones only came in black and white. So this guy had bought him both colors of the Air Force Ones and he would take him out to get Saburro pizza, honey. And my friend was excited about this man. So my friend proceeds to tell me that, oh, he has a friend and his friend wanted to talk to you and i'm like his friend don't even know me what you mean his friend wanted to talk to me now the gotcha is i was already feeling uneasy having this conversation because we were talking on a house phone and anyone knows back then that the house phones were all connected to one phone line so any at any moment anybody in any part of the house could have picked up any other phone press mute and they could have been listening to my conversation and let's not forget I was still at the back of the walk-in closet. I wasn't technically out. And later we'll talk about that story. But I'm like, oh, my God. Like, why is he calling me, having this conversation with me? And I was like, if that happens, I will be outed. And on top of that, I had absolutely no interest of being courted by a gang member. Are you kidding me? As a matter of fact, I was absolutely scared of them. So while these thoughts are going on through my head and before I was even able to respond, my friend says, hold on, I'm going to put him on three-way. Y'all, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, my God. So seconds later, I couldn't even collect my thoughts because this man hops on the call with this extremely deep voice. So I'm going to try to mimic this man because it literally I do remember his voice being intimidatingly like deep. So I'm and I'm going to uh, I forgot his name. So we're going to call him Brenton. All right. So. I'm on the phone with my friend. Imagine this. I'm on the phone with my friend. You know, we're 15. He's excited about this gang member, 25-year-old that he's dating that's buying him shoes and taking him for slices of pizza. And now his, he apparently told his friend he could hook him up with me. This is Brenton. So he, he clicks over. Brenton's on the phone. And he was like, my name is Brenton. How are you doing? I'm still kind of shaky. So I'm like. 
I'm fine. (laughs) Just like that. And he was like, your friend told me all about you and said you were sexy, slim, and a chocolate pretty boy. That's my type. So I wanted to know if I could be your man. Y'all, now remember, I'm nervous that at any moment anyone could be listening in. So without any hesitation, I'm like, and still nervous, I'm like, no. Like, or it was more like, no, it was high pitched because I'm like shaking. And I tried to say no, which is much with as much authority, as much strength and as much clarity. My little teenage voice can muster up because I mean, now I know this. If my friend boyfriend is in the gang, this guy obviously has to be affiliated with him. So I'm like, no. Well, this guy didn't like that guy. He guys, he immediately turned volatile and he yells at me. You stuck up, bitch. I'll beat your ass. Now, mind you, I'm clutching my pearls. And I'm like, I was shook it. I just knew this man was going to find his way to the burbs and hunt me down. And But after he said that, my friend said, oh, no. And he disconnected the call. And he was like, then he said, girl, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was unhinged. I told my friends, don't you ever fucking call my house with another man again. And after that phone call and then that moment, I decided that I was not going to date guys in high school because, one, I couldn't risk a man calling my house. I didn't have a cell phone in high school. Did I have a pager? I might have had a pager. Did I have a sidekick? I just didn't have a, a, a phone, a cell phone when I was in high school. And I was like, no, no, don't be having no man call my house. I'm not about to be trying to talk to a guy, right? So now fast forward to my legal years. I finally meet my tribe and we hit the scene running. Those of us who weren't out, like out verbally, we started to co- confirm our true selves to our family and our friends so we could finally feel free. Also, during that time, we all decided what our occupations was going to be because we were all in school. We discussed the lives we wanted for ourselves. Oftentimes, during this conversation, though, we would talk about our relationships and what our future spouses would look like. I personally wanted to marry a rich man. Everyone knew, that knew me back then knew I, I was going to marry rich. It was just non-negotiable. And I I really was on that trajectory and I could tell you guys about that story as well because some of those men that could have offered me that life I met during this era of my life but this proved to me I also was not really about that like and I think most of it was because I also never seen my mother have to financially struggle my dad like he took care of home he took care of us really really well I always had it what I needed plus I had it what I wanted except the easy bake oven debacle because my mother one Christmas got me a creepy crawler oven and I specifically told her I wanted the easy bake oven so the creep the difference is the creepy crawler ovens make like worms and gummy candy and the easy bake oven made cakes like what if I, what if I look like I want to make gummy worms or whatever but she bought me the the creepy caller oven and I was pissed but besides that I had what I needed and wanted and I just never wanted to struggle I'm just going to be real I just never wanted to be like in poverty that like scared me shitless it scares me shitless to this day to be honest but eventually I grew out of that because I began to learn that you know dating yes you do need to have money to date but like for love like that is such a minute part to make a relationship successful because I began to understand as I dated more that relationships has many, many more layers. Now, some of my favorite and best memories from the era with my friends was partying. I would say right out the 
gate. We used to party, and I still don't know how we partied the way we did sometimes. Sometimes we'll be in Chicago partying it up, and then the next day we like, oh, okay, we're going to fly. We're flying to Miami to party, and then the next month we're deciding to come to New York, and we're, it was this club called No Parking. We'll be in the Bronx dancing with strippers at the club. So we were like those gays on the scene like traveling partying but we always had each other regardless you couldn't tell us that the world was not our oyster and during that period in my life i would meet some of the most interesting people when we were out and we would give them nicknames so like for instance it was this guy we used to call him ponytail because he had the most beautiful long mermaid hair guys i wish you guys could see it like bundles wear. this was this man's hair like he looked good but he never wore it down he always wore it in a ponytail so I just started calling him Ponytail. We also had another guy we called Legs. Now, this guy, we called him Legs because he can dance like no other. Imagine somebody, you're out at a club. They're not only doing break dance, they're doing ballet, they're doing jazz, tap dance, they're doing hip hop. Like, they're doing it all. I thought this kid was a contortionist because of the way he moved his body so fluidly and it was so beautiful. It was almost like a ribbon was blowing in the wind in the sky. That's how beautifully this guy danced. And it was the guys we dated. We, I would say, had an interesting group of men we all liked. The one thing about my friends and I, we very rarely liked the same man. To this day, I don't think we all have the same type. Bros before hoes. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. So I'm not going to talk about my friends, partners, or their relationships during that time because that is their biz. But I'll talk about the general stuff. And I will um, speak about one of my boyfriends. So during that time, I met the one of the first guys i started dating i think i was 21 dating seriously and i believe this relationship was lasted a i believe it lasted a year so i was like 21 of course i meet this guy now back then guys we didn't have the apps i think there was one website up and myspace might have been up but i don't I wasn't meeting people through MySpace. And the other website was called Black Planet. And Black Planet, if you wanted to meet anybody on Black Planet, and I guess if you want to meet anybody on MySpace as well, and you were gay because these websites were geared towards heterosexuals, um, like most things are when they start off. So if you wanted to meet somebody gay there, you used to have to have certain wordings on your profile. And this is when you had the no coding to put a picture up. Nowadays, Y'all new kids have it easy. You could just upload your photo. Back then, when you wanted to like change your page on MySpace, you actually had to know coding. And I used to take coding in college briefly. Thank God, because who would have thunk it would be beneficial now? Because even starting this podcast, I had to learn a little coding, which, knock on wood, I was able to rely on that knowledge that I've learned in school. Never thought I'd be able to use it, but here I am, coding a fucking podcast. But um, you had to go out. Um, if you want, didn't want to meet them online, but if you did want to meet somebody online, you had to have certain words. So, for instance, if you're gay, and let's say we're just going to start with tops and bottoms, your your profile would look like, let's say, you know, you're a bottom and you got to be like, I'm looking for a man that's on top of his game. This is blase, blase. I like that. A gay guy would know what that means. Or let's say you're a top and you're like, you on your profile and you're looking for a bottom to hit you up, you'll say... I like to sleep on a top bunk. I'm not going to give away all the jargon or all the phrases because I don't know if people are still using these and I don't want somebody to 
read those and be like, oh, he's gay, you know, possibly out somebody unintentionally. But you get what I'm saying. So you really couldn't meet people online or, or it was harder. And a person would have had to know the lingo to know it was OK to press go. The other way, though, you were meeting people. I was meeting people. And I think this is the way we're going to call my first boyfriend because I don't want to put his name out there. We're going to call him um, Kramer. We're going to call him Kramer. So the way I met Kramer, I believe, was on a party line. That was another way you could meet people besides going out, which I would get into that. Like, so the party line was pretty much your own voicemail, uh, but set within a system, meaning you would call this, you would call like the, the party line. And what they would do is give you a, a, a box number, a mailbox number. So let's say your mailbox number is 444, like 4444. All right. And then you will set a password for that mailbox number. Everyone who calls the party line and set up a mailbox number, get a password, and they get their own mailbox. And what you would do is pretty much you would describe yourself. So there's no pictures. People have to go off your description. So if I had a page, I would it would it would look like like I would say like yo, my name is London, six two, curly hair, shoulder length, you know, brown eyes, nice eyebrows, smooth skin. Apple bottom, but it's a little thick. You know, I'm looking for a type of guy that's about his game on top of his shit. Like, just, you know, selling yourself. Um, now that I think about it, it almost sounds like a sex line. <laughs> but I was young. <laughs> and um, guys would hit you up. So let's say a guy came across my profile. He liked my description. I would, I would log on to check my messages, and I would hear him in my voicemail. Um, leaving me a message and he may say something like to get my attention before we exchange numbers he may say yo my name is ty i'm six four caramel complected caesar cut with a part on the side normally wear a fitted cap nice you know baggy jeans you know you know eight inches bleep bleep cut like like i mean they would get down describe themselves to a t- i do believe me and kramer met that way or we could have met out. I, I it was so long ago that I I could vaguely remember, kind of remember how we actually met. But I do believe it was the party line. And when we finally met in person, because you know you meet, you exchange numbers, and then you find somewhere a location, a safe location to meet because you're meeting for the first time. I will always meet somewhere downtown, especially if the man had a car. So he had a car. Most of the guys I talked to had cars. I'm like, okay, I'm not getting in your car until we meet here. So we'll meet at Navy Pier, you know, we'll go to like Oak Street Beach or one of those places just so I could people could see I'm in public and you couldn't do anything crazy. He showed up and he was absolutely beautiful, guys. This should have been my first red flag. He shows up absolutely beautiful. And so you imagine me, like young me, who I was always confident, but I'm like, this man is gorgeous. He's like tall like me. He, you know, had a nice cut. Like he could tell he worshipped the fucking gym. Like his body was, uh, he was a good probably 200 pounds, but it was it seemed like it was all muscle. Sexiest could be. He seen me and it been one. It was just like, he was like, oh yeah, this is what's up. And we were together. Like, we were together. He was coming over my house. Um, we would hang out. The Oh, another red flag with him was he wasn't out to his family. He was out in the streets, but he wasn't out into his family. At that time, I didn't really care because I think I was newly out myself or before my family pretty much told me they already knew I was gay. But that's another story. <laughs> it was like... 
oh, girl, who the fuck you fooling? Like, you really thought you was constantly, like, we glad, bitch, you finally came out. The girls got tired of pretending. So I didn't care about that because I understood his situation. Like, he wanted to be close to his brother, so he didn't want his brother or father to know. But we had a good time while it lasted, so we would date. And the only reason that relationship ended, because don't get me wrong, when my friends and I were dating, we were serious on the court. We were seriously trying to be married before 25. Do you hear me? We were the group of friends that was like, we're going to find our boyfriends. We're going to pursue our careers. And we're going to be married by 25. And we're going to be Lululemon moms by the time we're like 30. That that is the plan. Lulu, we're going to be walking the streets with our Lululemons. Um leggings on and the baby's in a stroller we're gonna be married like i <laughs> the life i fucking had for myself was a fool i mean it doesn't compare to the life i have now which is much better that's what they say you make plans and god laughed and god that god laughed at those plans because i got something way way much a life way much better and full now but just to think of the way i used to think back then so i'm like this is it he became the hot boy. And what that means is when we got together, um, his presence in the scene started to become noticed because he was tall, because he was beautiful. He was like chocolate. He was gorgeous. He had all these muscles. You know, the girls be jealous. They be looking at you like, why her and not me? Well, bitch, I'm the baddest. That's why. <laughs> he was start- he was starting to let that get to his head and how I noticed this was I met his friends and his friends knew my friends and we would go out, but then when it was time for us to have our personal date, um, I would say this was probably about six months into us dating, um, he would start to cancel the dates. Just cancel, cancel, cancel. And I believe the third time he did is was the straw that broke the camel's back because during this time, it was Valentine's Day. I'll never forget. I dressed up. I got a cute outfit. I was ready. I had his Valentine present. I was ready to get mine. I was just ready. I'm like, you know, I'm serious about it. And I, that, during that time, I was serious about Valentine's Day. When I'm single, I do Galentine's. Like, I love going out with my friends. We always rent, go to a nice restaurant. We always, like, trying to treat each other during Valentine's Day. But when I'm in a relationship, i see you guys later, friends. i see you tomorrow because it's my man, my man, my man. You know, I want to be out with my man. My plan was for us to, you know, come, give me my gifts, us exchange gifts, we go out have this fantastic dinner and then we come home and i'm putting footprints on the ceiling you hear me i'm gay but that did not happen so i'm calling him he's not picking up calling him and i think he said he picked up once it was like oh i'm kind of caught in traffic that was the last time i talked to him that night he was like i got caught in traffic call call to the point where it was one in the no about 12 o'clock in the morning and i called my friend this girl i was talking to at the friends with at the time and the first thing she says is honey you're hurt she could hear it in my voice i was hurt because i was so gun ho over this guy like you guys don't even know like I, w- I was hurt and so she was like oh my god your first heartbreak and i knew it was my first heartbreak because again i always i'm new i can't let this guy treat me like this it's only going to get worse so i knew i had to break up with him in that moment I end up going to sleep and I start, I get a call at like 4.30 in the morning and it's him. He was like, babe, you mad? You mad? I'm sorry. I went out with my friends. I'm sorry. You mad? I'm going to come to you now. I'm going to come to you now. And I'm like, why are you coming to me now? What are we going to do at 4 something in the morning? 
You think you gonna get some ass up on them? Wait, what? After you have dissed me like this, you think you're about to be rewarded after a long night with your friends. You know, you've been doing this for a while now. So I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm angry. Give me time to cool off. It was like a week before I actually seen him again. But then I realized that I had to let him go because my mother jumped into my head. I immediately thought of something my mother said. I was like, he's a street cat now. Now, what do you mean? What did your mother say? So when I was a kid, I think I was around age three, she got me a cat. So I used to have this cat. So I kind of grew up with this cat up until I was like seven or eight i was obsessed and i loved this cat and i have never had a cat since but this cat used to always try to run out the house it was a house cat but it would always try to run out the front door and jump off the porch and run into the streets i would normally catch it every time because i was obsessed you a kid your cat is like your best friend like it's the only living thing here that I feel like it relates to me. My siblings were older. You know, obviously my mother had her friends and busy. So I would keep myself occupied with this cat and my toys. And every now and then I would go out and play with my friends. One day, this cat, I don't know how, I don't. it was night. Somebody left the door open and we were all, I think we were in the living room and a cat it ran out the door. Actually, I tried to run after the cat, but it was so fast because I was sitting down with my legs crossed. I couldn't get up fast enough to catch it this time. The cat ran out the door off the porch and shot down the street and around the corner. The cat was determined to get out of the house. So I'm distraught like, no, like crying. My dad go out, try to look for the cat. Everybody's trying to find where this cat is at. Nobody can find it. So everyone's comes home and I'm like, okay, that is, that's it. You, know, you don't have a cat, you know? And I'm like crying myself to sleep, right? The next morning, I'll never forget. I heard scratching at the door. That's a little scratching. I run downstairs. I open the front door. And when I open the front door, I look through the screen door and then that's the cat. Now, this cat looked like it has been through some shit. I was kind of shocked, right? It was really, really like shocking. Like he had patches of hair missing. Um, he was bleeding, looked like he was cut. He could have been bit. I don't know. This cat looked like it was rang through a ringer. Like, my cat had had such a rough night. You could tell the hair was matted. And I'm like, how could all of this happen in one night? Like, it was like dirty mud ran through. So, he was really trying to get in the house. So, I was about to open up the screen door to let him in the house. I didn't realize my mother was already woke. I believe she was in the kitchen cooking. And she must have heard me come downstairs to open the door. And so, as I'm about to open the door my mother rushed and she kind of scoots me out the way she sees the cat she slams the door in the cat's face and she looks at me she was like no you can't have him he's a street cat now and I was like what she was like he's a street cat now I don't know if he has rabies I don't know if what happened do you see his hair matter I don't want you to get anything I don't want you to catch anything just that he cannot come in that poor cat was trying to scratch in you could tell that cat had like experienced horror so i'm sitting there like distraught and she was like no i'm sorry you cannot have that cat he's a street cat now like he has to be in the street he belongs in the street you can no longer play with him so i tied that into i thought about my ex and i was like 
I don't know where this man been. Let's be real. Like, you know, you're canceling these dates. You're, I know you're out hanging out with your friend, but I also know what goes on at these clubs and the type of conversations because I was out there too, right? So I'm like, in my head, I didn't tell him this, but I'm like, you're a street cat now. He's for the streets. He's for the streets, y'all. I had to let that man go. And it was really, 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 like, sad. But what it did was set the um, trajectory for the rest of the way I would date going forward. I realized in that moment I would never accept anything less than what I am deserved. And what I was told before I even got in this relationship, and I apply this to any relationship I get in, get into, and I hope you guys apply this to any relationship you get into, save a little for yourself. That was the best advice someone could have given me before I fallen in love. Save a little bit for yourself. Now, what does that mean, London, you may be asking? When you're in a relationship, it's easy, especially a lover like me, to want to give your all to be. Like I told you, I'm my man, my man, my man. I don't even cook unless I'm in a relationship. I'm going to be honest. I eat out every day. But if I got a man, I do cook. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. I just don't like to clean dishes or cook a lot of food for myself because I very rarely eat leftovers. But if I got a man, you better believe you want some collard greens, baby. Let me get those mashed potatoes. Let me go get that um, fucking macaroni and cheese. You know, I'm cooking southern dishes for this man. This person told me to save a little for yourself. And that means that when it's over, you need to have that. You need to have some love for yourself to pull yourself out of it so you don't get stuck. And my God, and I tell you that advice is golden. That was sage advice. And I always think about that before I have any situation. Because I see too many people stay in the situations that doesn't serve their greater purpose. So, yeah, he had to go. And I had to use the love I have for myself to vanish him. The sad thing about it, because I want to let you guys know what happened after that. After I broke up with him. Oddly enough, all of his friends started getting a relationship. It was the most bizarre thing. His best friend got a boyfriend, which I wonder if they still together this day. They might have even gotten married. All is like his whole crew. It was about five of them. He was the all four got into a serious relationship. He was left out. Now he tried to come back to me, and that wasn't happening because as his like I guess influence or popularity was decreasing, somehow mine was it mine was increasing. And the type of man I liked were, I was dating lawyers. I was dating, like, you know, doctors back then. Like, I was doing this shit when I was in my 20s. Like, it was so, I looked at him and I'm like, no, the type of dates I was going on was a lot more interesting. And it was just really sad because I can see in his eyes a light. Like, he thought he was going to be able to go out, have his fun, and come back. But when he realized we weren't getting back together, it kind of took a toll on him. Um, And I think he eventually moved on and moved out the city elsewhere. So that was my going out story back then. It It was something. And what I did was, after that relationship, again, like I said, I started dating smart. So by the time I became, I think I was... 25, so the marriage obviously didn't happen during that time. I was like, okay, I'm going to restructure the way I date. And then at that moment, I also knew I was going to move to New York. I've always kind of known I was going to move to New York. I thought I was going to find my man in Chicago and we possibly move to New York together. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on all of my energy to move into New York one day, you know, after I set myself up here. And then we'll try to do this dating thing seriously again. And sure enough, about a few years later, my best friend calls me and he was like, I got a job opportunity in New York. I'm leaving. 
And I tell him without hesitation, not without me, not without me. And he was like, what you mean? We're moving together. <laughs> We're leaving. We're going to New York. Because I was not going to let my best friend go to New York without me. And it was already always my dream to go to New York. My best friend would tell you, he was like, London, you've always wanted New York. My best friend didn't want to move to New York. He liked a slower pace of life. But he was like, you've always wanted New York. And we had already had a friend living in New York already one of our other best friends, he was already setting a pace in New York, already doing big things. So I'm like, no, it's my time. I'm moving to New York. So we packed up our stuff and we put it up in this big U-Haul. We drove all the way from Chicago to New York. And during that time, we stayed with my bestie in his apartment. And that was another fun area of my life. Moving to New York, all of us in this one small apartment. But it was full of love. It was full of laughter. It was never a dull moment. And I'm just going to be honest. And if my friends are listening to this, Guys, that was a blast. I think we were really, I know we talk about this in person, but that was really, really a special time. I know in all of our lives, I mean, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the fact that we were able to still be together and not have a real rifts in a friendship. The fact we're able to still be friends to this day. I, I'm still amazed and feel extremely blessed. But that it was so much fun. So during that time, which you have me in fashion, you have my other friend who's an actor, you have my other friend who's at um like sales, you have other friends doing merchandising and visual so then as we were waiting to get our new apartment, because everybody who moved to New York knows apartment hunting is tough. New York is a city that wants to reject you. So I wasn't sure how long we were gonna be stand with my best friend but we made the best of the situation and we had fun and during that time I was with them I'm like okay this is how I'm going to date my goal was to never be a slut in the street it was always to find one partner and be monogamous I am a monogamous type of person not because I feel like that's what I need to be because nowadays I think you know you could be out like you have people in open relationships, like people are consenting to these things. It's just something I don't want for myself. Never have and still don't want for myself. Like I, I always say I'm single now. I'm like, I'm single now. So I'm kind of in an open relationship now. So if I'm dating a couple of guys or if there's a couple of guys that want to pursue me, I can actually entertain that now because I'm single. But once those words are said, exclusivity. I am out the streets. I'm inside. I'm going to leave outside to the rest of the girls. You girls have outside. I'm back inside. I was like, I came to New York. I'm going to be outside to date. But I am serious. I want that ring before spring. And for me, I'm going to say it happened. Within about four months, I met my last partner. And I literally was in a relationship. I was in a relationship for the most of my time here in New York. Then I have been without a relationship so for instance i've only been single for about a good three years and during this time i am loving the way my life is looked looking i discovered a lot of things about myself and i realized i really 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 do like me oh i forgot to tell you guys right now we're in the um the at the party This is the after party. So when I moved to New York, this is the after party, what it looks like now. So the after party, just to go back, because I know I just kind of jumped right into it. The after party was when I moved to um, New York 
with my best friend. So the 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 debutante era was over. Debutante era was over once me and my friends landed in New York City. So and like I said, when I landed in New York City, I knew I was going to date differently, and I was about that ring before spring. It was crazy the stuff that you manifest, and that was just that. So these past three years. I come to find out, like, unlike when I was first out in the scene dating, um, it's different because of the apps. When I first moved to New York, the apps were just getting off their feet. I believe, I believe Grinder was a beta. Um, you have these other apps that was beta apps, and they were just trying to test out the water. This was like a little over 10 years ago. They weren't as popular as they are now. Now the apps have like ganged their wings and they're flying, and dating has become more of a meat market. There are still good guys. I'm not going to say that because somehow, out of all the BS, I still get to meet some quality guys. I still meet guys who are of substance, who are intelligent. Um, so I can't even complain. But dating now, it, it, I feel like some of the magic has been lost. There's a lot of cattiness in the scene now, which is really upsetting to me because I don't remember me going out, us hating. We Back in my day, when we went out on the street, we went out to have a good time. There were a couple of fights here and there from the hood girls. I mean, the really, really, really hood girls, not the hood debutantes, but the hood, hood girls. I mean, we're talking about the Cabrini Green girls. Like, you know, we know they'll drag you. You don't mess with them, okay? <laughs> Leave the Cabrini Green girls and they're smearing off alone okay let them have they smearing off and sit in the corner child but now it's just like you go people are being mean for no reason on instagram the other day i was talking about a situation how i just left my friend's birthday at this club and we were having such a beautiful time until i step out into the streets and i hear this group of gay boys ganging up on this other gay boy now i don't know if it's it was their friend or anything, but they're talking about his clothes. Look at you. You have on this. You have on that. You have on this, this, that. And I was upset because I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, it didn't It didn't seem like And I could have missed a key point of that conversation because, again, I just walked into it. But it's like, why are you doing this out loud? Why are you guys ganging up on him? And the guy was just sitting there without any comebacks to have. I'm like, bitch, you don't have any comebacks to the point where if I didn't have to work the next day, I was going to go back over there and talk about the guys. I'm like, girl, you have no room to talk. Like, stop it. But it's just like, I wanted to help him out. Like, girl, don't be letting them beat your ass verbally like this. And you see a lot of that going out. Or there's a lot of stuck upness. Nobody talks to each other when they go out. You have your drink and you people look at each other up and down and look the other way. I can say I'm a part of the problem too because I don't be talking to people when I'm out. When I'm out, I'm very much so about my friends nowadays. I don't want to be really social. I don't want to, you know, normally go out and meet new people. Now, if I go on a hood debutante tour, I'm going to take that back, okay? <laughs> if the clubs want me, the debutante, to come there, then yes, I'll be social as I can be. If the bucks are there, the coins are there. But for the most part, I'm always out for a chill night and I'm a happy drunk. Meaning when I drink, I giggle. He, he, he. I laugh. I want to joke. Like I told you with my friends, I get really silly. That's the type. I don't want to go out and turn to Hercules and be like, no, look at you. And it's crazy. So that's the that's how the scene looks at the after party right now. The, I guess the silver lining is um, not everyone's like that. Obviously, I don't I'm not like that. I mean, we all have our moments, but for the most part, again, like I said, I've, I've met some really outstanding gentlemen, and I've been on some great dates, and I think I will continue to do that. 
I don't know how long this period of my life is going to last. And I was telling a friend like that, to, uh, telling a friend that the other day. I said, this single period, I don't know how long this single period is going to last. Because the one thing about my life and life has shown me is I am wifey. Now I'm taking more time to focus on me because a lot of these girls aren't well. And in order for you to attract somebody that's on your vibration, you need to be clear and intentional when you're talking to the universe. All right, so that's the after party, guys. So we're going to wrap this up because I feel like now this has gotten a little longer than I want it to be. So last week when I wrapped it up, I told you guys the story of the two wolves. This week, I'm actually going to share something that was in my notes that I wrote myself. So this is my own. It was just a note. It wasn't supposed to be a poem or anything, but I like think I sparked up one day was in my room and thinking about black gay boyhood and this came up so I'm going to end this podcast with something that's in my notes that I wrote and I it's just a thought so I hope you guys like like it I didn't title it originally like I said because it's just was in my notes but I'm going to title this black boyhood by London Bambi all right here we go It's important that we gay men keep the spirit of black gay boyhood because when we playful interact with each other that way, we heal the black gay boy within us that had to hide himself when he was a child. He had to hide his crushes, his body language, his desires, his soft soul. In those moments of congregation among strictly black gay men, that boy comes out joyfully to play. Guys, this is weak or episode two. Thank you again for tuning in. The first week episode was a success. Like you guys really showed up and showed out and I'm still speechless. I'm still getting used to this podcasting um, part of my era, this podcasting era of my life. So thank you for bearing with me again. Thank you for showing me so much love and so much support. I love all of you guys and I will see you guys or speak to you guys next Wednesday. I love you. I love you. And mwah.